Well, amen. Thank you, preacher. And boy, we have enjoyed our time here. It's been absolutely wonderful. And um, just to clear up the whole Liberia Ghana thing, we our original intent was to minister in both Liberia and Ghana. And we realized real fast, my vision was a lot bigger than our ability. <laughs> and so uh, God helped us to just settle in Liberia. And that's where our ministry is and, and has been. And by the grace of God, we'll continue to be there for um, a, a few more years anyway. We're not uh, spring chickens, but um, actually God called us to the mission field even in our, our older age, and we'll talk more about that tonight. And so you want to be here tonight, okay? DVR your football games, but be here tonight, if for nothing else, for the dessert. How, how would you pass up that opportunity for dessert? And so we trust you'll be here, and we'll say more uh, about our ministry tonight. We got a video I think will be a real blessing to you, and you know, you, you often hear those saying, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words, and I think when it comes to, to missions, pictures are worth a, a hundred thousand words. Uh, we just can't even begin to tell what's all there, and the pictures certainly help with that, and I trust you'll come back. I think it'll, it'll be a blessing. I appreciate the pastors taking the time to really kind of do an interview and ask questions that I think you'll be interested in, and there'll be opportunity for you to ask questions as well. Um, Because we've had the privilege to be with so many people in the last couple of days, we came up with a, a different plan, preacher. I don't know if this will be okay with you, but rather than us asking the questions, we thought it'd be good if they answered the questions since we've had an opportunity to share with them so much, and we can give them a little quiz there. But uh, I think that'll, that'll be a blessing, and I hope you'll come. We're so thankful for everybody that has fed us and housed us, and, of course, Bud and Wanda. We, man, we could just move in with you folks. <laughs> uh, we've enjoyed that so much. But we understand we're like grandchildren. You're, you probably enjoyed having us, but you're probably going to enjoy seeing us leave as well. So we, we can appreciate that. And uh, speaking of grandkids, we enjoyed so much preacher being at your house, but uh, we fell in love with those kids. They are gems. Amen. You guys are doing a great job there as well. Well, it's, uh, as I was talking to folks, I always like to get an idea of how long the pastor preaches, because I like to at least say somewhat within that same time schedule. Um, I realize that sometimes guest speakers get a little bit of of grace because it's a new voice, a new person, and you can put up with a little bit more. And uh, preacher, everybody I talked to just said they wished you'd preach longer. They just, yeah, it's just too short. And uh, so I thought that I would try to accommodate them this morning with that, and and I'll I'll do the best I can there. But... uh, Actually, I, I kind of had in mind what I wanted to do this morning, and then uh, the Lord was just kind of leading me another direction, I thought. And then Sunday school, especially with, with what we were hearing there, boy, that's tremendous what we're in there with Brother Paul, his class. And so um, I don't have time to, to preach both messages, so I'm going to con- kind of combine them this morning, and we'll see how we get there. So let, let me just begin with this. You know, life is full of memorable uh, situations. Uh, of course, pictures help us to remember those things. 
And we remember many of the, the first walks that we have taken in our lives. For instance, how many remember your first steps? Now, I would have been worried if somebody raised their hand on that one, okay? Uh, we don't remember that, but our parents do. And it's quite a memory for them. They get excited about it. I know we did when our kids took their first steps. But uh, you may remember the first day that you walked to school. That might have been an exciting time. It might have been a frightening time. But we, we tend to remember that. You might remember the first time that you, or, and the time you walked across the stage to get your diploma at graduation, whether it could be maybe a junior high, high school, uh, college, or, or something beyond that. Uh, those are really great walks, aren't they? <laughs> uh, you look forward to those times and, and ending a, a, a part of your life and then looking forward. And then there comes that day you wish you were back there. <laughs> Amen. But uh, another memorable walk. We remember the when you walk down the aisle, amen, to, to get married. Uh, how, how You better not forget that, men. Amen. Um, and especially watching her walk down the aisle. But we have so many memories of, of special walks. The, um, maybe you walk down the aisle like I did three or two times <laughs> to give your daughter away to somebody else. Um, I don't know about you, that was a difficult walk, giving somebody else my daughter's hand and turning her over. Uh, there may be the time you walked <clears throat> up to receive a, an important award. You know, even children remember those things. And our grandkids are always showing us the awards they get at school, character awards or something like that. They're very proud of that. They remember those things. And the award themselves help us remember those moments. But I'll just tell you, the greatest walk that I ever took was the day that I walked down a, a hill onto a football field and someone met me there after I'd heard for the first time in my life the message of salvation. I was 16 years old. I wasn't raised in school, in church, never went to church. My parents had no interest in that, and I didn't have any interest in that. But uh, I'm, I'm grateful for a friend who was persistent enough to keep asking me to attend a Billy Graham crusade. And he called and invited me to go, and I said, no, Kevin, I, I'm, I'm not interested in that. The next day he asked me again, and I told him the same thing. Uh, on Wednesday he, he called once again, and by then I was getting a little perturbed. <laughs> I said, Kevin, that's, that's fine if you, if you want you know, that religious stuff. I know your family goes to church. That, that's just not for me. Uh, Thursday, he called me again. I told him the same thing. But uh, praise the Lord for his persistence. And, and, and the thing is, it wasn't mean. He wasn't mean. He just, he cared. And the fifth day, the last day, um, I gave in. And I went. And for the first time, I found out that I wasn't going to heaven. I thought I was. I just, you know, your good outweighs your bad. You're okay. Um, I'm old. Back when I was a kid, society, <clears throat> God was a part of society <laughs> and, and, our, and just natural things. And so I believed in God. I believed in, 
in the devil. I believed in heaven and hell. I just thought that, you know, hell was for just really, really bad people. You know, axe murderers. But, you know, I knew I wasn't perfect, but, you know, I wasn't that bad. So I'm okay. Well, then I found out I wasn't okay. That I could never be good enough. And that the only way that I can ever get to heaven was believing and trusting in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. I believed in Jesus and I knew about the whole cross thing. I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand what was behind it. And, I, and then when I found out that he did that for me, that was really, to be honest, that was overwhelming and it still is. Think about that. Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, went to the cross died there to take your sins upon himself so that you could have everlasting life. Wow, how do we ever get over that? (laughs) And I haven't, I pray that I don't. And so, by far, that was was the greatest walk I ever took. And uh, certainly one I'll never forget. And and the Bible also is full of memorable and unforgettable walks. Let's let's just look at a few of those this morning. Um, uh, The first one that we see was uh, the walk taken by God himself when he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. We read that in Genesis chapter 3. There was the shameful walk of Adam and Eve when they had to walk out of the garden because of sin. There was the difficult walk of Abraham and Isaac when they walked up to Mount Moriah in Genesis chapter 22. There was the liberating walk of Moses and the Israelites when they they walked through the Red Sea, uh, headed to the Promised Land. And and by the way, don't don't forget, they, they walked through it. They didn't walk around it, under it, over it. They went through it. Why? Because of a miracle of God that took place there. How would they ever forget that? And yet, I don't want to get to another image, but they kind of did, didn't they? <laughs> and, and sometimes we kind of forget the things that God does in our lives uh, as well. And we need to go back to those and understand the power and the ability of God to do things in, in our lives as we move forward. Then there was the discouraging walk of the Israelites in the desert for 40 years. There was the triumphant walk of Joshua when they went around Jericho. There was the illuminating walk, if you would, of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus when they met Jesus after his resurrection. There was the transforming walk of the Apostle Paul, who was actually Saul at that time, the persecutor of Christians, on the road to Damascus. And what a experience that was for sure then there of course is the walk that was so sad yet so holy that it received its own name the that was the walk of our savior from the praetorium to Golgotha that we often called the via della rosa the way of great sorrow or, or suffering and while I would expect that walk to the cross to be the most memorable. Um, I would venture to say that there's one that there's a walk that is more memorable 
and unforgettable to most people. Um, I imagine it the most remembered, the most mentioned, the most recognized, and the most unforgettable walk was that of Peter when he walked on water. Would you not agree that that's probably the most well-known, talked about, thought of uh, walk as far as Scripture is related there? And the, the interesting thing is that this is so unforgettable, not because of where he was walking from, the boat, or where he was walking to, the Lord Jesus Christ, which you would think that would be the most outstanding thing. But what makes it so memorable is what he was walking on. Water. <laughs> Not solid ground, but he was walking on water. And so with that as a way of introduction, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to read this here. And then I want to just kind of share some thoughts. Like I said, I'm kind of combining two different thoughts. I can honestly preach on this passage that we're going to read for a whole year. It is, it is so full of, of messages and truths that we can draw out of it. And each time I, I read it and even preach on it, the Lord just gives me new thoughts that um, I have a burden to share uh, with you. But uh, I won't preach a whole year of messages this morning, so you can uh, relax there. But follow along with me as we read Matthew chapter 14. I'll be reading verses 22 to, through 33. And then we'll come back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on some things and just kind of to bring try to bring it home for you here. And I, I might point out a few things along the way here as we're reading it. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples. Now the idea of constrained there means that he strongly persuaded them. Okay, so he constrained them, his disciples, to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitude away. Now, Jesus knows all things, right? So he, he knew where he was sending them to and what was going to be happening uh, as he sent them out. But for the moment, he himself, he did what? And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come... He was there alone. And let me just say there, and, and you heard it, or at least in our Sunday school class this morning, just the re-emphasis uh, that was made about having your daily devotions, spending time alone with God each and every day. Now, you think about it. If the Lord Jesus Christ had to get alone... <laughs> With his heavenly father, shouldn't we need to find that time where we can get along with God each and every day? That's what the Bible means when it's talking about that closet place. Where there's no interruptions, no, no TV, no phone calls, no children. Where we have that time, just us and God. So we can talk to God and then, then we get in His Word so He can speak to us. 
where it's quiet enough where we can hear the, the, the Spirit of God, and I don't mean an audible voice, but the Spirit of God that lives within us, moving upon us in relationship to the Word of God that, that we have read. And it becomes a, a sweet time that we have, and, and it needs to be there each and every day of our lives. Verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary, meaning the, the wind was very difficult, it was opposing, um, the, the wind was strong, the waves were, were large, and uh, we've been in storms, and we understand what that means. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was reading the other day in my devotions, uh, Oswald Chamber, and I, I thought this was very appropriate to this situation. Uh, listen to what Oswald Chambers said. He says, The fiery furnaces are there by God's direct permission. It is misleading to imagine that we are developed in spite of our circumstances. We are developed because of our circumstances. It is mastery in circumstances that is needed not mastery over them. Jesus knew exactly what he was leading his disciples into, this raging storm, because he had a purpose in that. And just as we go through trials and difficulties and situations in our lives, um, they are oftentimes designed by God. You know, people like to blame a lot of things on the devil, but in reality, we are natural sinners. The devil doesn't have to do a whole lot. We can mess up our lives pretty good on our own, can't we? It's only by the grace of God that we don't do that. And I'm not saying there aren't influences by the devil, but I think we give him a lot more credit than we should. And... We don't relieve ourselves of directing our lives. Again, we heard that this morning as well. And put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and God to guide and lead us. And the only way that's going to happen is if we follow Him. If we listen to Him and do what He tells us to do. And so I just thought that was a, a very appropriate quote there by Oswald Chambers in relationship to the scripture, verse twenty-five in the fourth watch of the night, that's somewhere between three a.m. and six a.m. Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, "It is a spirit!" And they cried out for fear. And I don't know about you, but if I saw somebody walking on the sea, I'd be afraid as well. So I am not critical of them by any means for wondering what is going on here and being a little afraid of the situation. And, the, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord... If it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now, I think it's important to understand there that word bid, when Peter says bid, that word bid there has the idea of command. 
Peter was saying, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you. It wasn't a, a flippant statement that he is making there. Um, he knew exactly what he was saying when he used that word, Lord, bid me come unto thee. Verse 29, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. Now I want to back up here a little bit, and this really isn't my, this, this is a message, but it's not my message this morning. I think we, we hear a lot about uh, verse 31, <clears throat> when uh, Peter began to sink, and, and the Lord said unto him, O thou of little faith, Wherefore didst thou doubt? And so we hear a lot on that and a lot of preaching sometimes on the fact that uh, Peter had little faith. And I certainly take a different outlook on this and I I hope you might too after we discuss it here a little bit. But uh, the thing I want you to understand is here Peter did what? He walked on water. Peter, he had a purpose. And he had one purpose. He said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee. Command me to come unto thee. Now, we know Peter's well known. He's good at just kind of shooting off his mouth sometimes. But he knew what he was doing here. You don't make that kind of statement. Command me to come to thee. And... We further understand that and know that to be a fact because when Jesus said, come, he didn't like, whoa, I didn't really mean that. (laughs) I I didn't expect that you were going to respond to that. No, what happened? When he said, come, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to Jesus. Listen, Peter, he was focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted to be where he was. His mind wasn't on the other disciples there and what they might think or anybody. There was absolutely no hesitation. Jesus said, come. He responded immediately. He stepped out of the boat. I don't don't really think he even was mindful of where he was and what he was doing at that moment. He was so focused on wanting to be where Jesus was. And so he stepped out of the boat and he walked on water. Don't forget that, folks. The man walked on water and he went to Jesus. He had one purpose. He had one direction. He had one focus. And then, of course, we come to verse 30. But when, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. What happened? What happened to Peter is what happens to all of us many times in our lives. He started looking at his circumstances. 
He started looking at the storms of life and, and what was happening around him. The, the wind and the rain and, and the waves. Does not, that not happen to us all the time in our lives? Boy, we're excited, we're, we're having our daily devotions, and we're reading our Bible, and, and our prayer life is strong, and things just seem to be going so well, and then all of a sudden, bam, life hits us right in the face, doesn't it? It could be your job, it could be your children, it could be an illness. Listen, our, our ministry has totally got turned around the last few years with, um, I was going to say Ebola, <laughs> um, COVID, and, uh, and then Brenda's situation uh, with her, her cancer and surgeries and chemo and things. Uh, boy, you don't think that disrupts your life? And what our plans were for our life and for our ministry? Sure it did. And if you're not careful, those circumstances, those, those storms that come our way, they can cause us to lose our focus and, and to lose our purpose. And when that happens, then we lose what? We lose our direction. And, and so we need to be careful about that. And, and circumstances are always going to be there. And by the way, we're always going to find ourselves in fearful situations. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're, we're fearful of the unknown. We're fearful of changes in our lives. It's a fearful thing if you lose your job. How am I going to take care of my family? It's fearful starting a new job. <laughs> am I going to be able to, to do what is expected of me? Anytime there's, there's a redirection in, in our lives, um, there's some fear attached with that. Uh, we don't like uncertainty, do we? Uh, we want to know that it's going to be smooth sailing, that the waters are going to be calm. But that's not God's plan, kind of like what Oswald Chambers says. We need the storms in order to mold us and shape us and, and to learn to walk by faith. We'll never have a journey of faith in our lives if we don't have obstacles along the way. It's like, I'm not sure if it's a saying or a song. I just remember this from many years ago. But um, if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know my Lord could solve them. And so it's, it's a part of life. It's, it's a part of life in general, these storms. But it's also a part of the Christian life. Now, there are circumstances that are just natural. But then there are some that are God-made. This is no doubt a God-made situation that he put them in for a specific person, purpose. And we're seeing what that purpose is here. And that was to give Peter that opportunity. You think Jesus didn't know how Peter was going to respond? Of course he did. He, he knew before the foundations of the earth what was going to take place here. And so he knew how Peter responded. And so he was giving Peter that opportunity to respond in that way. And to experience a miracle in his life that no man had ever experienced before, nor ever would apart from the Lord Jesus Christ in that same manner. Now, we will experience miracles in our lives. Um, I, I can tell you today, I have walked on water. Now, that doesn't mean I stepped out of a boat onto a lake. 
But I've had those kind of miracles and experiences in my life that I believe are just as equal to that miracle that Peter experienced in his life. And you can have the same thing if you're willing to take that journey with the Lord. Trust Him in the circumstances and through the circumstances. Let Him open the the sea so, so you can walk through. But so often, what do we do? Well, we, we, may, we may put our, our foot in the water and, I don't think so. Why? Because unlike Peter, where he was so focused, um, I have a tendency to see the storm too early in the situation. And then what happens? I begin to doubt. I begin to question. And because of that, I, I back up because I like my safety zone. I like to be comfortable and I don't experience. I hope and I pray that when I get to heaven, God, and I don't believe he would. I think it would almost be too mean for him to do that. To show me all the miracles that I missed. Because I let fear or circumstances or whatever it might be keep me from taking that one step. Just one more step out of that boat and walk on water. Because my faith was too small. Oh, me of little faith. But, now let's come back to that, that statement there. So verse 30, when he saw the, the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried and said, John, John, Andrew, help me. Is that what he did? Throw me a rope, I'm sinking. Is that what he did? Who did he call to? Jesus. Jesus. How many times in our lives, and, and listen, I'm the, one of the greatest examples of this, you know, try to fix it and then read the instructions, that's, that's me. <laughs> and how, how often do we do it with the Lord? We try to fix our situation, we try to find a solution, and when it doesn't work, then we start praying. We start seeking counsel. We start looking for direction and help from the Lord. Boy, I tell you, we give Peter a lot of bad rap sometimes, don't we? But man, look at this guy. He was focused. He, he, had, he was intentional in what he was doing. And he, when he did falter and started looking at the circumstances around him and he began to sink, he knew immediately who to call upon. The Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, He's not just there for salvation. He's there for us every single minute and moment of our lives. Not only that, but the Spirit of God dwells within us. He's there. We just kind of fail to to call upon Him sometimes. And so what did He say? Lord, save me. And of course, you know, Jesus saw a great opportunity here, didn't he? He says, boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this one for a little bit. <laughs> I'm not going to let him drown, but I'll let him tread water a little bit, you know. Is that, no, he didn't do that, did he? Now, I'm not saying he may not do that in our lives for a purpose. What's it say? Immediately. Immediately. He called, and immediately, what did he do? Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him up. 
Do you know that if, if you're lost, if you've never put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, that you can call on Him right now, and He'll say, get back with me next week. No, immediately. Immediately. Matter of fact, if we gave an invitation and said, if you want to receive Christ as your Savior, come forward. The minute you make, the moment you make that decision to come forward, you're saved. Because He knows the decision you just made in your heart to put your faith and trust in Him. Now, it's good to come forward because it, it makes it more real to you. It's a testimony to others that you put your faith and trust in Him. But there's no waiting period. It's immediate. And immediately when He called upon the Lord Jesus Christ, He reached out His hand and pulled Him up. And He said unto Him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And so here's what I have to say about that. <laughs> Uh, a, a couple of things. Number one, you got to remember, they're out on the water. So now he's still standing on the water with Jesus. We kind of forget that, don't we? we that kind of gets lost, but that's, they're still on the water. The storm is still raging. And storms are very noisy, aren't they? The other disciples, by the way, we kind of forget about them. They're still in the boat thinking Peter has totally lost his mind. Or, you know, or here's Peter again. <laughs> But they actually did see him walking. Now he's standing there with the Lord. I don't believe anybody heard what the Lord Jesus said to him there but Peter. I don't think anybody in the boat heard that. I think this was something between the Lord and Peter alone. Because if, had the others heard it, that would have just supported their, what they were already thinking about Peter's foolishness. I believe this was a, a, a moment between the Lord Jesus Christ and Peter. And it was a learning thing. I don't think it was a rebuke. I don't think the Lord was rebuking Peter in that statement. I think he, it was a learning moment. Because you, you, know, you think about this. Yes, he got his eyes off the Lord. He began to sink. So there is a demonstration of little faith. But now ask yourself this. And boy, I tell you what, this is convicting to me. If Peter had little faith and the man walked on water, what does that say about my faith? You getting me? We need to be real careful about being critical of Peter and, and trying to use that statement in a negative way. Because, yes, Jesus said it, but Peter also knows what he just did. And if, if he can walk on water with little faith, what does that say about my faith? Now, here's the other side of that. If Peter can walk on water with little faith, what does that say God will do in our lives with the amount of faith that we demonstrate? Listen, we can move mountains. We can experience miracles. 
we get this idea we've got to have some giant faith. We look at these Bible characters and, and the list of, of those walks that I gave you. Um, they're, those were not demonstrations of great faith. You don't think Abraham was, was scared when he was taking his son up on the mountain? You don't think uh, Joshua and the Israelites walking around? First of all, they thought it was crazy, no doubt. So many of, of these Bible situations are what? They're impractical. Why? Because if, if they were practical, we wouldn't need God. He puts us in situations where he gets to demonstrate his greatness and, and his wonderfulness and his power. And so just imagine that and, and, and grab a hold of that. If Peter walked on water with little faith, what can we do and what can we accomplish with the faith we have? Don't hold back waiting for yourself to get some kind of a great faith. And I don't know what great faith is. I'll be honest with you. I've not really seen it demonstrated in Scripture when you get down to it. Now, in my mind, this would have demonstrated great faith. Um, Abraham leaving Ur of the Chaldees to go someplace where he didn't even know where he was going. That, that took some faith. To me, that, that took a lot of faith because he was moving his whole family. He didn't even know where he was going. But the faith that he had, God used that and God built upon that. Isn't it great that the first thing we read about Abraham wasn't God asking him to sacrifice his son? No, God built upon his faith, just as he does with us in, in our lives. And so, just think about that and, and, and take those steps. Take that journey. Take that, take that walk with the Lord. So he can do things in your life. And, and trust me, you will experience miracles. You may not get out of a boat and walk on water. Maybe, well, I'm just telling you, I don't have that kind of faith. <laughs> But I believe I've had those kind of experiences. As I've taken steps of faith, was I afraid? Absolutely. And I continue to do so. Going to Africa, starting a, a Bible college, then redoing everything. Our whole ministry now is, is just changing as we're trying to do it through videos and things. God will, will give you an opportunity to experience things and do things that you absolutely never imagined in your life. But he's not going to push you out of the boat. He's not going to push you out of your comfort zone. You just got to be willing to take that step. You know, it's interesting. I'll give this illustration. How am I doing here? Not too good. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to wrap this up. But I saw a, a kind of a cartoon one time. And it had two miners digging in the ground. And one was below and the other one on top. And the one below and he was digging and he was digging. And he was just a little bit farther than the, the guy on top. And the guy on top, he, he got weary and he decided, okay, I've, this is too much. I've gone too far. Nothing's happening. And he quit. The guy on the bottom who was just a little bit further struck gold. And you can see in the picture above, if that guy would have just taken a couple more shots with his pick, he would have hit gold. I want to be the guy on the bottom. I don't want to be the guy on top. I want to be the guy that just keeps pressing on, pressing on, trusting the Lord, taking those steps of faith and seeing what God will do.
Now, let me, let me kind of bring this back home where it all started, and then we got a little video clip uh, I want to close with. Look again at verse... Where am I at here? Verse 27. And straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him, said, Lord, if it be thou. Okay, they thought it was a spirit. They didn't know who it was until he spoke. And when Peter heard his voice, he knew who it was. Do you know the voice of God? You know how you become familiar with the voice of God? Right here. Knowing His Word, reading His Word, studying His Word. And then that, that sweet, small voice of the Holy Spirit inside you. How do, how do I make these decisions? How do I know what to do? By knowing the voice of God. You're sensitive to it. You hear it. Because you're familiar with it. You talk with Him every day, and He talks with you every day. When you're in church and and the preacher preaches, you're hearing the voice of God because you're familiar with that voice and what He's saying, and, and the Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit in those things. But if you don't know the voice, or better yet, if you don't listen to the voice, and boy, we heard that this morning in Sunday school, didn't we? Where's Paul at? Paul in here? Yeah, well, we heard that this morning, didn't we? That's just what he was saying. You know, it's one thing to hear it, but if you're not obeying it, that's a, that's a whole other thing. What's sad is, and, and he kind of touched on this, the sad thing is most believers don't even know the voice of God because they're not in the Word. And so they're listening to every other voice that's out there trying to tell them what to do. They are distracted. They are focused on the storms and the wind and their circumstances and everything else. And and God's trying to say to them, come, come. But they've lost their direction. They've lost their focus and their purpose because they don't know the voice of God and what He's trying to say to them. I want to share a video with you this morning. Maybe some of you have already seen it. It's been on uh, Facebook and YouTube. It's interesting. Um, I saw it a few months ago now, and I thought, wow, that is perfect for this passage and this message. It's a true story by uh, attorney David Gibbs with the Christian Law Association, a tremendous uh, man of God and speaker. And he shared this story. situation, story that happened to him, and I believe it'll be a blessing to you and just really tie this all together. So if we can go ahead and show that, Jonathan. Oh, huh? You know, we talk about Peter walking on water, but it all started because he recognized the voice of God. Do you know the voice of the Lord? Do you know it? Do you recognize it? Do you hear it? Do you hear it when you read His Word? Do you hear it in Sunday school? Do you hear it from the preaching? Do you, do you hear it in the singing? of the? And by the way, preacher, it's bad enough, you know, when you preach, but when you could sing and preach, oh my, that was wonderful. I just want to challenge you. I want you 
Your preacher wants you to walk on water, to experience those miracles in your life. If you'll just listen to the voice of God, obey the voice of God, not get wrapped up in the circumstances of life because that's a part of it. And you'll be afraid and you'll be frightened and you'll, you'll be wondering. And there's going to be all kinds of other voices trying to tell you what to do. And, and Scripture instructs us to follow wise counsel. But you must know the voice of God and the leading of the Spirit of God in your life. Preacher.